The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode five, we have Pastor Isaac Crockett of Stand in the Gap Ministries from Corning, New York. Uh, Pastor Isaac, welcome to Master's Crib. Hey, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having having me on. Yeah, so uh, let's just take a couple minutes and uh, and introduce everyone to you. So, uh, when did you become a pastor? Um, I well. I grew up in a pastor's home, so I, I was involved with pastoral ministry mm. at home since I was a kid, and then I went to to college for um, Christian missions, and then I got a, a degree from seminary in pastoral studies, and from there, um, oh, how long? I don't know how long ago that's been. Almost fifteen years ago, I started helping churches, and about uh, I think it's been fourteen years ago or so, I became an assistant pastor at a church. Uh, church plant in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. And after a couple of years um, there, in about 2009, the Lord led us to um, the other side of Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, kind of central Pennsylvania, where I pastored for 10 years there. Um, so that that's, uh, yeah, goes back to, I guess, around 2009. Okay, awesome. So, so you have uh, quite a bit of experience in ministry then. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a pastor's home, and then uh, my oldest brother is a pastor, and my uh, second old, my next oldest brother, he trains pastors and preaches all over the country. And then I have a younger brother, and he's a, a pa- he has a house church and is a missionary in a, a Muslim nation, um, out in, in a little island nation in the Indian Ocean. So it's kind of my whole family. Um, yeah, we've all gotten in, the Lord has led all of us into. A different pastoral type of ministries or working with pastors. Wow, that is so awesome. So when did you start with Stand in the Gap? Uh, Stand in the Gap was while I was pastoring uh, 10 years there, and uh, it was Hamburg Bible Church is where I was at, and that uh, really started getting involved with them. I, I was somewhat involved with them when they were just pa- uh, Pennsylvania Pastors Network before it became national, but more just as um, an attender and using their, their materials to help my church. But in 2016, um, I started uh, getting a little more involved with their radio ministry. They had me on as a guest a couple, a handful of times, and then started having me kind of uh, help as a guest co-host uh, a few times in, in the year 2016. And so by 2017, I was on on a regular basis, and um, and then I still kind of fill in. Usually, I'm on three or four times a month. Okay. And, uh, and then I guess it would have been 2018 that the TV ministry opened up. And so, uh, it's a weekly TV program and I'm one of the two co-hosts on that. So it's, yeah. uh, really kind of goes back to about three and a half, almost four years ago. 
That's so awesome. I've, I've been blessed myself uh, recently since meeting you by Stand in the Gap. I, I love to listen and, uh, and hear Sam and, and uh, hear all the conversations you have. You guys have so much happening in such a short amount of time. Like there's just so much awesome information that you're making available to everyone. So with Stand in the Gap, what is the mission? What are you guys trying to accomplish? Thanks. Yeah, well, praise the Lord for that. We, we love hearing uh, folks who are able to use what's going on. And so Stand in the Gap is a ministry of the American Pastors Network. And the American Pastors Network, uh, the, the goal is to help pastors and churches. And it's become a national network, helping pastors and churches, uh, building partnerships, finding strategic alliances uh, between the different authorities that God has put in our life, uh, both government, home, and church. And uh, trying to help, you know, bring those things together. And a big part of the American Pastors Network from the beginning was we wanted communications. We wanted a platform to really bring the truth into the public square and to help people engage in the culture to kind of shine the light of truth on all the darkness of the world that we live in. And so the Lord opened up some opportunities um, for radio early on. I guess this goes back about five years ago. And so the, the radio opportunities were there and it just started growing from, you know, a couple of stations to dozens of stations to now hundreds of stations all over the country and online at stream and the smartphone app and things. And so the, the stand in the gap media now, now it's also be a TV program, which has now become national as well. And so um, the, the, the goal of stand in the gap is to give, insights, you know, to take the headline news, to take the newspaper in one hand and the Bible on the other hand, as they used to say, well, now it's <laughs> taking your smartphone and your Bible app and uh, seeing how it all comes together and, uh, you know, kind of looking at what, what we face as a nation and even as a world um, wow. all together right now, and then opening up God's word and saying, you know what, God's word applies today in 2020, the same way it always has. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And was that Col- was that Colson that that quote comes from, or was that somebody else? I think it goes before him. I, I think really? that goes uh, pretty far back, maybe even. Okay. Um, I, I should I should look that up. I can't remember who I first saw credited with that, but I think it goes back maybe a hundred years ago. Wow, that uh, is saying so cool. something like that. That is so cool. So uh, let's take uh, a few minutes, you and I, and and tear into the scriptures here. Uh, this is something that we do uh, every single podcast. Is uh, is we just go into the scriptures, we look at it, and uh, and we examine what's here. And uh, we're really focused on this idea and this teaching of authority. So our passage for tonight is Mark eleven twenty seven through thirty three. I'd like to just read that. And they came again to Jerusalem, and he was walking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave this authority to you to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But, shall we say, from man, they were afraid of the people, for they held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So just talk for a couple minutes, if you wouldn't mind, Pastor Isaac, about the authority of Christ in this passage. Yeah, it... (laughs) 
it, it just goes back to show his deity again. And he spoke with authority. If you remember, you know, even going all the way back to as a child when he was in the temple, it took everybody kind of aback that uh, here's this this young boy, and his questions and his you know insights are are much greater than what you would expect from a child. Well, why mm. is that? Well, because he's the only begotten son of God. And so he came into the world, not as anybody else, but he came in as one with authority. And so um, all authority in heaven, you know, we think of the, the great commission where he talks about that all mm. authority, uh, this power, it, the same word that he uses for his authority, his power in Matthew chapter 28 is the same root word we get for dynamite. Um, so a very powerful authority, all authority is given to him and it came to him from God, the father. Mm. So you, you can't get any more authority than that. Wow. That is, that is so awesome. So why is it that we see a question for a question? I mean, uh, why is it Jesus just doesn't give him an answer? Why does he turn to this question? You know, I, I think on the one hand, we, we know that Jesus knows, you know, even the thoughts and intents of our hearts. But we also see that Jesus uses questions, uh, even as, you know, podcasts like this, where you're asking questions and, and we're talking about it. But it's it's great for those listening right now to think through these things, because God created us to be curious. God created mm. us to learn. Uh, God created us to work things out. If you just, um, you know, even in farming that I've done, uh, whether it be plants or animals, if you do everything for the plant, if you do everything for the animal, it, it actually, it weakens them. And, and I remember uh, on a farm I lived on, the, the farmer, you know, talking about, oh, the weather's been too good this season for the corn. And I said, what? You farmers complain about everything. But the point was, is that because we had had plenty of rain and not a lot of wind and all of these things, he was worried that as the corn stalks grew high, they would be top heavy. They wouldn't have roots. And so Jesus knows that too. So he mm. uses questions in his teachings almost constantly uh, interacting. And that's, that's what's so neat. And so, legitimate about what he's doing here is he's interacting with them in a very truthful way. Mm. Asking questions wasn't his way of dodging the truth, but his, it was his way of getting to the heart of the issue. And he knew what the heart of the issue was. He knew where they were going and they were trying to trick him. They were trying to trap him, so to speak. And so many times uh, when we figure that out, when we realize that somebody's trying to take us down a rabbit trail, so to speak, or something like that, um, getting asking questions about you know really why are you doing this what's at the heart of this mm. uh pushing back in that way i think is is not only a stroke of genius but it's a godly thing it's a righteous thing because again we what are we trying to get at we're trying to get at the actual truth mm. of the matter and sometimes the best way to get to that is to to, to ask the questions back wow i i love that that is just so honest and uh and just like you said Getting at the truth of the issue, I love that Christ uses his authority for some self-examination for people. You know, they're asking a question, and he's directing it right back at them. And like you said, you know, trying to make sure that, that they're rooting these things out for themselves and searching for themselves. And uh, he really was uh, trying to get at the heart, you know, what exactly is going on here. And he did a good job, obviously, because we have this passage to discuss in front of us. So what about the authority of the scribes? Yeah, and so in 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 Scripture, uh, God gives different authorities, and, and this is what's so amazing about how God has set our world up, and, and how if you don't believe in the God of the Bible, 
nothing really can make sense in this world. And so, you know, when we understand that governments are given their authority by God, but their authority is different than individual authority, different than family authority, different than the home. Um, and then the religious institution, the, the church, uh, was also an authority given to us by God. And so there's there's uh, the authority of the leadership of the church and to see how they all interact. And so um, there's legitimate, you know, cases for these different things. And the scribes are working in a way that is no longer um, the authority, their God-given authority. And so you, you see this in how they're attacking God's own son. And of course, Jesus knows all of this. And yet at the same time, some of the times they are, the things that they do, the things that they say, open up opportunities for Jesus. And he even kind of ridicules them and uses them as examples <laughs> uh, and says things, you know, well, render unto Caesar, then what is Caesar's? And, mm. and kind of makes them feel like an inch high, but he uses them with their legitimate authority and even with their illegitimate authority to give the final authority. Um, you know, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son himself except the father. And no one knows the father except the son mm. and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal himself. Mm. And so as Jesus chose to reveal himself to those who were seeking, those who were sick in need of a physician, he realized those who had hard hearts who were trying to trap him. And so you can have somebody who starts out with legitimate authority, they can abuse that and they can misuse it. And Jesus wasn't falling into this trap of helping further their you know, work or their authority. Uh, he, uh, he was there with discernment. And I guess that's what's so tricky about the day and age in which we live. Mm. Um, it's always been that way, though, that we have to have discernment uh, and use you know, what God has given us. Oh, that, is, that is so awesome. That's so awesome. And you almost wonder in in looking at this, if, if part of the intention behind this discourse like this was for the Pharisees to make a fool of Jesus publicly, and at the same time for Jesus to call these folks out publicly, so they would have to give an answer right here in front of everyone, was the baptism of John from heaven. I mean, he throws it right back on their laps, and it reminds us of, of later on in the book of Acts, you know, Peter is very, very direct. He says, you crucified him. You crucified him. So really, it's awesome because when Jesus displays his authority in his words and in his works, there's no denying it. There's no denying who he's talking mm -hmm. to or the reason behind it. I mean, here it's clear who's controlling the conversation. The Pharisees come in and they think they are, obviously, and then like turns it around, like you say, calls them out on it, which is really, really awesome. So let's talk for just a second about the, the response of the scribes to Christ's authority here. So when you're looking at, at the response, you're looking at uh, what is said here, you're looking at how they're kind of questioning them, the, these things inside themselves, and they're questioning among themselves how to answer Christ. Why is it that you think that they honestly just weren't able to give him an answer? Well, this is the case of those who are trying to sow discord among God's people. This is the case, you know, of the wolves and sheep's clothing uh, all the time, is that they are not ready to handle the truth. They are not ready uh, to, to take what is right and to do something about it. So all they cared about was trying to muddy the waters, trying to trick him up, trying to, you know, use a gotcha question. And exactly <laughs> like you said, they, they had this whole thing lined up. They were going to embarrass him. They never imagined 
that they would become the object lesson. Wow. And, and if you look in the context of Mark, it would appear that right there, then after it, because you go into chapter 12, he tells this parable of, of the vineyard about how these people rejected mm. the, the true owner, the true leader, the true authority. And, uh, and then, you know, after that, he gets into the authority of paying taxes and says, you know, give me a penny and, and, you know, who's, uh, who's on this? Well, it's Caesar's image on there, you know, so he keeps tricky. Uh, they keep trying to trick him and he keeps overcoming it with truth, but not just truth, but he keeps overcoming it by going to the real authority. Mm. And so they were not looking to have a, a legitimate answer. They didn't come to him with a legitimate question. Mm. And so therefore they were not expecting a legitimate answer but even more than that they were not expecting that he would turn the tables on them mm. and uh, and start asking them questions and so it, it kind of reminds you and sometimes as christians we get so scared uh because people are you know we feel like well i don't know how to defend myself and i think we need to know what we believe and i think all too often many christians don't even really know what they believe mm. and then we need to know why we believe it and and we get scared though that somehow we're going to deal with somebody's got this great intellect and my case over and over and over i've dealt with people who were much more intellectual than me, much higher intelligence than me but i come to it with earnest truth and uh, and it's amazing to me how many times it kind of turns the tables and i didn't even mean to do it <laughs> and it, it turns them kind of running and so that's that's the the hope we have that's the security we have in our authority of jesus christ mm. is that we put our hope in him we put our authority our, our, our trust in him as our authority and uh, and the Holy Spirit works in us, and the Holy Spirit was working in Jesus to uh, to give him the right words at the right time, mm. and uh, and it, the same thing you know happens in us as His children. He is in us, and we're in Him, and the Holy Spirit works as a great comforter and brings knowledge, and brings the Word of God to mind, and and can turn away the the fools and the questions. Uh, can be turned around and and throughout the bible we see that happening but this is another one of those cases where they didn't really want to see his authority and yet uh, god used them then to show forth even a stronger you know amount of, of who he really was and to bring you know the truth to bear that's so awesome i'm so glad you said that because that's something that's really lacking from a lot of teaching on authority today, when we look to Christ and we look at his authority that he displayed in his word and his works, we always leave out the fact that the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus Christ and that the Holy Spirit was empowering him. We always leave this out from our teaching and um, then we always end up with kind of like this, this, uh, this two-thirds of the Trinity idea about how Christ's ministry was here on earth. And it always leaves lacking. So we have people that sometimes go way too far the other end. But what I find in most conversations with most believers today is we just completely leave the Holy Spirit out of the equation. So I'm so glad that you said that, you made that point, because that is, that is really beautiful. And I, and I think that everyone really needs to have that, that triune view of Christ's ministry here on earth. Would you agree with that? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you see him relying on the Holy Spirit and on Scripture uh, mm. for for his his strength, for his authority uh, in his, you know, when he's on earth. And, well, who who empowered, who wrote the, the Holy Scripture? Well, holy men of God, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, it was breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And uh, far too often, you're right, we don't really think about the whole trinity we think about one or or the other or something but uh yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what's so encouraging to me and to any of us is that we have god on our side in fact the spirit the holy spirit the 
he actually indwells us as believers and guides us and directs us. And it just takes the pressure off of us and it puts it right back <laughs> to God. And we let him, you know, work in us as we seek his kingdom and his will. That is so awesome. That's so awesome. So let's just take this conversation into some cultural implications. So do you see our culture today as being friendly toward the idea of authority in general? I think any of us listening, um, you know, can almost smile when we think about that question because we we see people uh, protesting authority in every way, even even ourselves, even even in our own homes. I mean, even a baby uh, doesn't like authority in his or her life. Uh, you know, go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. You know, even just crying before they can even talk. Um, we we innately that's part of the fall. That's part of our sin nature. Mm is rebellion and rebellion against what well against god well how do we see that practically speaking well it's against our earthly authorities and the further that a nation the further a culture gets away from god and god's word the more we 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 do that and um i i have counseled so many families and i tell them and i warn them um to be careful how they speak about authority. So many times people will come and say, oh, you know, my child is getting in trouble at, uh, at school or at his job. He got fired from his job or whatever. And they, they turn against a different authority or the, you know, he's been thrown in jail for this and that's not right. And, and they have in front of that child helped them go against one of God's authorities in their lives, mm. be it church or government, even school and things. And I warn them and I say, the same way that you help poison them against that authority, the same way mm. you join them in disobeying that authority, it undermines your own authority, especially if it's a minor, especially if it's a child living in your own home. And you've just helped create uh, you know, something against their other authorities. They are going to now undermine you, whether it's dad undermining mom's authority, mom undermining dad's, uh, un- undermining school. And, and it will come back on you. And so we see that today so, so, so often in so many different ways. But uh, it, it's going to continue to grow, I believe, as we can, you know, the more we get away from, from God. Mm-hmm. And I think it also is a sign of um, authority, an issue with some of what's going on with our authorities. God has created authority for certain purposes and for certain reasons. And when our authorities step away from God, it makes it harder too. And so when you look at Jesus and his authority, uh, what did he use his authority for? Well, he used it for good. And uh, you, you remember, you know, in John 13, uh, towards, you know, the, again, end of his life, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands. So there's his authority right there. He knows that he takes those very hands that God had given him all power in. And it says, and uh, John 13, three, and that he had come from God and that he was going to return unto God, Mm. he knelt down and he washed the apostles' feet. And so he took his authority, he took his hands that were literally all powerful, and he takes them and he scrubs the dirty sandal feet Mm. of his disciples, of his apostles. And so, you know, as our authority leaves God, it's this vicious cycle. Um, and so it just continues. And so, yes, you're, you're, that question is exactly true, though. Uh, there is a, a, a natural rebellion against authority, and it seems to be magnified at this time in history. It's interesting you said that because I was listening um, to one of our leaders uh, just recently, very recently. And um, this guy is uh, he is in the church. Um, I'm not going to be too specific about that. But he said something very interesting to me. Um, he said, 
this is regarding uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. He said that the numbers have plateaued in New York State. And he said that wasn't God. That wasn't mm. God. And I stopped in my tracks. You know, I, I, I stopped instantly. And he said, this is because of what we're doing. I thought, I thought for just a second, you know, here's a, a man who professes that he's a believer. And he is an authority over us. And what did he say? He said, this wasn't God that did this. And I thought, wow, just like you just said, when our leaders step away from having God as the authority, everything kind of crumbles. I mean, this, I mean, that was what you were implying. I, I, I totally put right. words in your yeah. mouth. No, really, no, a step right. back in that direction is, is scary. And it does show the people that are underneath this leadership that God put in place when there's no regard for God at all. Uh, it does show us that we really don't need to have that authority over us either. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, this is, yeah, this is kind of how it goes. And, and it's um, it is scary. And, and you look at even founding of our nation, um, there was a lot of respect for the authority of King George, but they saw what he was doing was not right, you mm. know, and so it, it really put them in a difficult position. And yet it was a lot of pastors involved. And, uh, you, you know, you, you're involved with um, wall builders and different organizations. So you, you've heard them teach on this. Oh, yeah. but it, it is interesting. Uh, standing for what is right, standing for the truth, and standing for the authority of God means that it does sometimes put us humbly in conflict with earthly authorities who are not using their authority mm. correctly. Mm. Uh, and then that's um, that's always an interesting thing. And that's kind of, well, that's not kind of, that's what's going on with Jesus mm. in, in Mark 11 right there. Wow. So, like, how do you think we're doing? The church today... 2020 i mean we are all over the world how do you think we're doing with teaching authority so here's the problem you know all authority our discipleship matthew 28 uh, jesus says all authority is, is of god is given dynamically unto me i've got this authority and i'm with that authority i'm charging you i'm giving you a mandate i'm giving you your commission as soldiers in the lord's army mm. i want you to go forth and to teach and disciple these things all over the world. Mm. I want you to go and teach all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know, I want you to pass whatsoever I've taught you, I want you to pass on to them. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. And unfortunately, in our pulpits, so many times, we have stopped teaching all things. Mm. We have stopped relying on our true authority, which is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, mm. uh, Jesus Christ, and we have gotten away from this kingdom authority that we have been given. Mm. We've been given the authority, <laughs> and we're leaving it to the side. And that's because so many supposed authorities, supposed leaders, don't really believe anymore mm. in the authority of the kingdom. They don't believe in the authority of Scripture. They don't believe that the Holy Spirit inspired that and empowers it to this day. Mm. And so if you have, you know, a, a weapon, you have a two-edged sword, as the Bible was called, and somebody comes up to you and and, uh, and you could defend yourself with it, but you don't believe that it really worked, so you leave wow. it aside, you've lost your authority. You have mm. given. So, you know, it's interesting. We often talk about the government taking away our authority at church, but it's twofold. We have given it away just as much. And so um, a, a majority, and I, I wish I had the numbers in front of me, some of the latest studies that 
George Barna has been releasing. He's using our uh, Stand in the Gap radio program to release monthly uh, his biggest study yet of, of Christian worldview in America. And But the, the studies are, to me, kind of shocking. George said they weren't shocking to him because <laughs> it's just been uh, you know continually growing. But the, the majority of those in our pulpits um, are not using the authority of the Word of God. And so we've given that up. And uh, because of that, um, we, we are going to have these struggles. And, and you can go back and look at the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin mm-hmm. and the lawyers. And you can see what they were dealing with back then, where tradition became more important than Scripture. And uh, you can see how what that led to. Mm. So do you think that, uh, like, just teasing all this out, so pastors are kind of uh, cowering or they don't really believe that the Bible has the authority that it does. Like you said, that that's that sword that they just don't think they can use to defend themselves. Do you think that this lack of biblical understanding from, from getting out into the members of the church has had implications on the family? Definitely. Yes. And, and, you know, again, these things are, um, they work all ways around. It's not just one, you know, one to the other. So, you have churches where you have a godly pastor coming. I think early America, uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was known as kind of the spark of the Great Awakening, of the first Great Awakening. Mm. Jonathan Edwards uh, was he um, was an assistant pastor for his uncle of a, a very large church. And uh, when his uncle passed away, he became the pastor. And he tried to, to move the church in a little more biblical direction. And his church turned on him. The interesting thing was the leaders who really turned against him were relatives of his related to his uncle. Mm. And uh, they actually ended up here. He was the spark of the great awakening and and known all over the world. And yet um, they kicked him out and and they didn't treat him very nicely. In fact, they said, but we want to kick you out (laughs) and they voted to, and they did, but Mm. we don't have a replacement for you yet. So can you stay on until the replacement? So he stayed (laughs) on for months and during that time, his horses and everything weren't even allowed to eat grass from the graze in the public square and, and all sorts of hum- humiliating things. And, and so that happens. Sometimes you have parents, you have families who a, a godly man is trying to preach to them. And they say, we don't want that. We don't want to hear it. And so they reject him. Um, other times you have uh, a church, a godly church, and a pastor comes in, a wolf in sheep's clothing sometimes, and he sows seeds of doubt and dissension. He starts causing the people to doubt the authority of scripture mm-hmm. upon which all these other things are really based because we don't believe the Bible. Um, and so he starts putting the doubt in there. And um, as that happens, um, there goes the church and there goes the families. And so wow. within a generation, if not sooner, uh, you have uh, basically unbelievers in the church. And then again, you know, the, the church loses its effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it is a real problem in the family as a result of the church and vice versa, as a result of families, churches go that way. So it's important for all that God created to work together under his authority for government to recognize their position, their God-given authority, and where it starts and where it ends for parents, for husbands and wives and mothers and fathers to recognize their God-given authorities, for the children to honor their parents, to recognize, again, where it starts and where it ends, and the same thing for pastors and church leaders, uh, for them to recognize, and, and as we all work together under God, it brings us all closer to Him. But when one of those authorities begins to reject God, and now I think we live in an era where, in many cases, all of the authorities in people's lives, uh, church, government, and family, 
are rejecting God to some degree or the other, all the while and many times claiming to be Christian, but they're rejecting the true authority of God, the true authority of Scripture. Mm. Uh, what you have there is really a free fall, and, uh, and it, the only winner there is, is Satan, at least temporarily Satan thinks he's winning. Mm. Um, and I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit still controls things in a way that we don't even understand it completely. Because uh, if you and I look at what's really going on in our nation, in our homes, in our communities, uh, I would say things things should be a lot worse than what they are. Mm. Wow. So what I'm hearing you saying in in all this is uh, we really need to stand on the word of God. That that that's really the way that we're going to turn the tide here, right? I mean, to, oh, to really turn yes, people back. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. That is so awesome. Well. Pastor Isaac, I just want to say that I really, really appreciate this conversation. And um, just, you know, you've, you've fed me a lot tonight, and I really appreciate that. So how can listeners find out more about you and the ministry of Isaac Crockett and Stand in the Gap? Oh, uh, yeah. Stand in the Gap, we have uh, several different websites that are kind of all tied together. But if you go to standinthegapmedia.org, standinthegapmedia.org you can find uh, the tv program with all of our archives are online as well as we're streamed on pure flicks um not all of the the programs are on pure flicks yet mm. but uh, all of our our programs are on that standinthegapmedia.org you can get there for free all the archives are there same thing with our radio program all the archives are are um Archi- all the all the episodes are archived every day. You can hear it live, uh, stream it live. You can get it on our uh, Stand in the Gap has a smartphone app, so Stand in the Gap oh, cool. app, uh, Android or iPhone, and uh, and then or just go to the website and it has it there. Then from there you can connect with our different social media sites and things. Uh, for me personally, and, and if you have a hard time because there is so much to maneuver with Stand in the Gap and the American Pastors Network, um, I also have the crocketfamily.org the Crockett family dot org. Um, the Crockett is spelled like Davy Crockett, C R O C K E T T. The Crockett family dot org. And that has links to all of those things as well, as well as pictures of my wife and I and our children and a little bit of information about us. Um, but yeah, we, um, we are excited about what God is doing through standing the gap and with churches like yours, Jason and pastors like you who are standing for the truth and who are giving the word of God clearly and boldly, uh, you know, my grandfather grew, he grew up in Holland and, and uh, was part of the Dutch underground during the Nazi uh, takeover of Holland. And we, the Lord was working in his heart. His father was an atheist. His mom was a Christian praying for him. And what led to his salvation was watching 10 young men who refused to join the Nazi party. They were mm. Christians. They were med students. They were supposed to be helping the Nazis and they, they refused. So they decided to make a public um, execution of them as a public example. And in the moments before they died, they were given the, their last words to say, and they all joined hands spontaneously and began, begun singing Martin Luther, a German, his famous hymn, a mighty fortress is our God. And when they got to that last verse, um, the word of God abideth still. Uh, our bodies, they may kill God's word abideth still. And his kingdom is forever. And and the Nazi soldiers, knowing how the song went, didn't want them to finish that last part. And so uh, they opened fire on them and killed those 10 innocent young men oh as goodness. the crowd around them finished the words for them. And that was when my grandfather decided uh, the Lord used the word of God and the testimony of men willing to give even their lives for the word of God to save him. And uh, what a powerful testimony they had. 
And uh, my grandfather just recently passed away in his late nineties and was ministering for the Lord right up to the end. Wow. Wow. That is so awesome. That is, that is so awesome. What a testimony. Well, Pastor Isaac, I just want to say thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time, and I will be praying for you and Stand in the Gap Ministries. So thank you again. Amen. Thank you so much, Jason, for letting me be on here, and thank you for your prayers.